Open your Bibles as you're seated to the book of Philippians, the third chapter. We covered this verse last week. The Apostle Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's something about getting to know him intimately and becoming deeply acquainted with him that positions us to know the power of his resurrection. Now drop down to verse 12. And he says, not as though I had already attained or arrived, either were already perfect, but I follow after. That's pursuing. That's pursuit. The uh, Young's translation says, but I pursue also that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Then Paul goes on to say, I'm forgetting those things which are behind And I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The message translation says, I've got my eye on the goal. And I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Thank God we are not those who turn back. We are those who keep pressing, keep pursuing, keep seeking God and we will receive the reward as we diligently seek Him. Amen? Amen. And so to pursue means to follow after. It means to chase after. It means to fervently continue toward. It also means to actively engage. You know, if you want to get to know someone better, what do you have to do? You must spend time with the person. Amen? And some people say, well, but would God want to spend time with me? Absolutely, he would. Absolutely, he would. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? Who are we? We must be something in his eyes because we're the apple of his eyes. And he sent his son Jesus to shed his precious blood to share, praise God, and to cleanse precious people just like you and me. Amen. Amen. Now notice with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says that God is faithful by whom you were called unto fellowship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word called there means to be called aloud by name. It also means to invite. The Amplified Version says it this way, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. Have you found that to be true? By him you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you and I have been given a holy invitation to a glorious visitation by the head of the church. He said, he that comes to me, I won't cast him away. He that comes to me, I will take him in. So we see this, that we are called aloud into intimate sweet communion and fellowship and even friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you look with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll notice verse 14, it says this in the message translation. It says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship 
of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we see here that he wants to have sweet communion with all of us. Let me just quote part of the translation of the Passion. It says, The precious communion that we share in the Holy Spirit, may it be yours continually. Oh, there's a blessing in continuous fellowship with Him. There's a blessing in continuous communion with Him. What does that mean? That means you're just more aware of Him than anything else. You can go about your day being aware of Him. Now, that doesn't give you a pass to be, you know, lazy on the job. I believe those that are in sweet communion with Him make the best employees. And they make the best employers. Why? Because you're receiving help from Him through your fellowship with Him, through pursuing Him. He'll help you, praise God, do better than you've ever done before in life. And so, He's inviting us into this fellowship. Now, I want you to notice Isaiah, I believe it is, chapter 30, and it's verse uh, 18. And I want you to read it with me. This is a mouthful. Let's read it together. Ready, read. And therefore, the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore, he lifts himself up that me he may have mercy... And show you loving kindness to you. For the Lord God is a God of justice. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied. All who put their trust in Him and wait on Him. Woo, glory to God. I like that. In other words, His victory, His favor, His love, His joy, and His matchless presence comes from unbroken fellowship with Him. And so what we need to do then is we need to do our part to maintain this communion and to maintain this union. Read the rest with me. Who expect and look and long for Him for His victory, His favor... His love, His peace, His joy, and His matchless. You like that? I like that. Glory to God. I like that. Now, let's go over to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John, the first chapter, and we'll look at verses 3 and 4. It says here, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may also have what? Fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now notice with me in verse 4. And these things write we unto you that what? In other words, he's saying... If you maintain the union, maintain the communion, and have unbroken fellowship with Him, something's going to happen to your joy. Something's going to happen in your heart. It's not just going to be a little bit of joy, but it's going to be fullness of joy. Now, I've had a little bit of joy before, and I like it. And I've been half full of joy, and I really liked it. But oh, thank God I've received fullness of joy and I really, really, really like it. 
And the neat thing about it is God likes it too. He likes to see His kids happy. He likes to see His children, praise God, having simple childlike faith. Hmm. I'm gonna, that did me good. I'm going to read that again. <laughs> Verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that what? That your joy may be full. That your delight. That your gladness. He has not, us, he has not made us sad. He has made us glad. Now listen to this definition of fullness of joy. It means to fill to the top. So that nothing shall be wanting to you. It means full measure and full to the brim. Now we know that the joy of the Lord is what? Let's say this a couple of times. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now point at yourself and say it this way. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm, I like that. He tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Strength and joy go together. Now, oftentimes when we quote The joy of the Lord is our strength. We quote it in the context of waking up in the morning and not feeling like we want to go to work. And so we get up by faith and we brush our teeth. That is if you're not a morning person. But if you're a morning person, I mean, you're ready to go. How many a.m. people we got here? Wow. Well, this message ought to do you some really good. How many night owls we got in the house? Eh. No, I get it. (laughs) But seriously, oftentimes when we say the joy of the Lord is my strength, we say it in the context of needing physical strength. And we need physical strength. And joy accommodates that. But I looked up the word joy over here in Nehemiah 8. And some of the definitions are this. The joy of the Lord is your fortified place. The joy of the Lord is your place of safety. The joy of the Lord is your place of protection, refuge, and it is our stronghold. Now, this enables us to see joy from that context. When we're functioning in fellowship and our joy is full, praise God, there's some other things going on other than physical strength. There's safety. There's protection. There's the Lord being your stronghold. Oh, glory to God. I like that. And so where is it that we get this from? We get it by having fellowship with the joy giver. Say it with me. I get it from having fellowship with the joy giver. Glory to God. Just receive it right now. 
Just receive strength right now. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Greg, I know you found out that to be true. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, this word fellowship, also, it's kin to the word communion. How many of you know you can't have fellowship by yourself? Now, an illustration of this would be of two people or a family having a meal together. When you have a meal together, hopefully you're all seated at the table and not necessarily in front of the television. I mean the television. There's a lot of hell on there. Right? Am I telling the truth? So you've got to eat the hay and spit out the sticks and be mindful of what your mind is on. I believe that the main reason why people are lacking peace in their lives is because their mind is on things it shouldn't be on. Right? He said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If I stay my mind on violence, if I stay my mind on things that produce lust, what's happening? There's a lack of peace. He said in Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, do what? Think, think on these things. Now there are so many other things that are vying for our attention. But those other things have never and will never produce the peace of God that passes all understanding. It will never give you the joy that we're talking about that comes through fellowship. What we fellowship and what we communion with, what we open up our heart to, has a tendency to work either for good or bad. The scripture says that evil companionships do what? Evil companionships or wrong associations corrupt good manners. So I'm not here to throw a canopy of condemnation on you, heaven forbid. But what I'm here telling you as your pastor, as your dad, and what mom is telling you today, be very careful what you look at. Be very careful what you watch. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Cheryl just said it beautifully. Not only that, be very careful what you hear. Now that wasn't in my notes, but it won't cost you anything extra. 
fellowship. Sweet communion. So when you're having a meal together, you've got taters in the bowl. You got some greens over here. You got some fried okra over here. Can I get a witness? (laughs) You got some fried chicken over here. I'm feeling it right now. And as you come together to have a meal, I got taters in me. You got taters in you. You got fried chicken in you. I got fried chicken in me. You may have a little bit more fried chicken in you than I wanted. But the point is this. The same thing that is on the table now is in us. And did you know that we can share a whole lot more than a meal together? We can share thoughts. We can share dreams. We can share visions. We can share passions. We can share feelings. Oh, so powerful. And it's great to share with each other. But how many of you know it's even greater to have him sharing with us and us sharing with him? Adam communed with God in the cool of the day, unbroken fellowship. They may have watched the sunset together. And Adam may have asked, oh, Father, how'd you do that? And the Father would reciprocate and tell him exactly how. Here's the truth about it. In Revelation, Jesus is standing at the door of our heart and he's knocking. And he says, I want to come in and I want to dine with you. I want to sup with you. And oftentimes we see that as him knocking at the door of the heart of a person that doesn't know him. And that's true. But I believe he's knocking on the door of the hearts of his children. And if he's knocking on the door, it's our responsibility to open the door. Because if we keep the door closed, we're going to miss some things that he wants to share with us. We're going to miss some things that he wants to impart to us, some direction that he wants to give to us. And so as he stands at the door of your heart, open, open, open. This speaks of the meal of the daphon. The daphon was the main meal of the day. It was not a leisurely affair. It was not a hurried snack. This speaks of fellowship. It speaks to a depth of relationship. Barclay says this. This was the meal at which a man sat and talked for a long time when the day was ended. 
It was not a mere courtesy visit paid in the passing which Jesus Christ offers to us. He desires to come in and sit long with us and to wait as long as we wish him to wait. That's the kind of meal that he wants to have with us. Say it with me. Living fellowship with the living God. And this is not some sort of legalistic code where you have to, you know, pray 10 hours a day and and read 50 chapters a day. Come on, saints. I can't remember the last time I read 50 chapters. It'd be more beneficial if you just read one. And you took your time and let the Lord talk to you. He stands ever ready to fellowship. Hallelujah. I mean, he can give you a thought that'll keep you jumping all day. Folks, this is as rich as life gets. This is rich. It doesn't get any better than having fellowship with him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And this has a lot to do with our faith. Somebody says, what does this have to do with faith? Fellowship is the fountain. It is the source of faith. Notice with me in verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you, read it with me. God is light. How much darkness is in God? Absolutely none. He is light. He is absolute light. He is absolute love. And He is absolute life. Read that last part with me. God is light. And in Him... Ooh, glory. So when we're sharing with him and he's sharing with us, what's being shared is light, it's love, and it's life. Fellowship is God who is light sharing light with us. How many of you could use a little light? I mean, a lot of light. Now look at Psalm 36. Psalm 36. Psalm 36 says, For with thee is the fountain of life. And in thy light, what do we see? In his light, we see light. The Passion Translation says, We receive the light of revelation. Now, in this kind of fellowship, there's no darkness. What does light enable us to do? Light enables us to see. Darkness prevents us from seeing. Now, let me describe darkness for a Christian. It doesn't necessarily mean 
going out and doing all these bad things, sinning. But darkness for a Christian is confusion. I don't know why. I'm not sure where to go. I don't know what to do. This huge problem has come. I don't know. 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 know. And you can have what you say. If we're continuously talking about what we don't know, we will forever live in the land of confusion and not knowing. Are you here? Those like you and like me, those here at Heart of the Bay who pursue and fellowship with God, we are not clueless. I thought I'd get a bigger amen than that. I, I, I thought I might just hear the organ tuning up there a little bit. I thought maybe someone might get out in the aisle and do a little dance. I don't know. But let me say it again. We are not clueless. We're in the know. We are in the divine flow. What do you do when your head doesn't know what to do? And you're in the process... Of needing to make a decision. The first thing you do is you must acknowledge him in all of your ways. And draw from the wisdom and from the revelation that's in you by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more you commune with him, the more what's on the inside will rise up and become fruitful to your mind. But in that interim, in that period of time, don't talk about what you don't know. And if people try to push you and say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You just say, I believe God. And the wisdom of God is on the inside. I'll know exactly what to do. Because I tell you what, I'm always in the right place. At the right time, I'm doing the right thing with the right people. I'm making the right decisions every day because God is helping me. He's on my side. He lives in me. The wisdom of God is flowing in me. Woo! Glory to God. Oh, my brothers and sisters, there's a divine flow. There's a divine flow that comes from fellowship and comes with communion. And in that flow is the ability to do the right thing at the right time, to make the right decisions, to flow and to operate in the wisdom of God. For the spirit of knowing and the spirit of seeing is upon the church, says the Lord. So rejoice and be glad that your joy may be full. Walk in, live in fellowship with Him and get happy about your walk with Him. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Now, here is one of the biggest problems in faith circles. Trying to exercise the principles of faith apart from 
a living communion with Him. And I'll just tell you, it won't work. Well, Pastor Mark, how do you know it won't work? The same way you know. Because we've tried it. And it don't, and it won't ever work. Mark eleven twenty two says this, Have faith in God. Have faith in God's Word. And have faith in God's words and leadings that He has given you. And that He will give you. Look with me at John chapter 15, if you would. Glory to God. We're getting some places today. Glory to God. We're pursuing God. We're pressing toward the mark. We're forgetting those things behind. Don't let your past failures keep you from getting up and running again. If you've failed, if you've missed it, admit it and quit it and get up and dust yourself off and keep moving. Now I want you to think about this thought. Trying to exercise faith principles apart from a living communion with Him will not work. In John 15 and verse 1, He said, I am the The mere fact that he says he's the true vine means there's some false vines out there. Buddha don't save. Muhammad don't save. Only Jesus is the true vine. I'm the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Now drop down to verse 4. Abide in me. That means live in me. And I will live in you. Pursue me. I will pursue you. Commune with me. I will commune with you. Now notice this. A branch. That's you and I. A branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. In the same way, we cannot produce fruit or results unless we live in Him. Say this with me. There'll be no results apart from the vine. Now, making faith confessions is good. I am one of the chief confessors. I like to say what God said. But making confessions without a living fellowship with God is not effective. A branch disconnected from the vine produces nothing and it dries up. In verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth 
What kind of fruit? Mucho, mucho, mucho fruit. Amen. For without me, you can't do anything. Now the good news, we're not without him. Verse 7. Did you wear your shouting clothes? Hallelujah. Let's read it together. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you live in me, and my words, plural, live in you, you're going to ask what you will, and it's going to be done unto you. Well, what if I ask something that's not His will? When you live in communion with Him and fellowship with Him, your heart is right. You're not going to get off track because the Word and the Spirit will keep you on track. You're not going to ask for a bunch of flaky things. Why? Because you're sold out to Him. And so as you live in Him and you ask what you will according to His will, it's going to be done unto you. Hallelujah. Notice with me in verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let's just thank Him right now. Let's fill the house with thanksgiving. Glory to God. Oh, pakelite esele kondre ke shamande. Oh, mengedi sare do shamande. Oh, we worship you. We yield to you today. We say not our will be done, but thy will be done. Your plan and your purposes, may they be fulfilled in each and every life. Come on, folks, let's give him thanksgiving. Lift your hands and give him thanks. Fill the house with thanksgiving. Fill the house with praise right now. Oh, bakalite e salando la mokorite amaniste. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm very cognizant of the fact that you've had your mask on for a long time. And I'm going to close very, very soon. So I'm not going to be a wise guy and say, who give me five more minutes? I want to close with this thought and then we'll open up with it next week by the grace of God. I want to encourage all of us, Pastor Mark, Pastor Brenda, the whole staff, every member, every partner, I want to encourage all of us to draw near to Him. In James 4.8, He says, If you will draw near to Me, I will draw near to you. The truth is this. In Hebrews 11.6, we can't please Him without faith, but He becomes a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. How many will say today, I received the word that I heard this morning. And all week long, I purpose in my heart to diligently seek you with everything I have in Jesus' name. We could go on and on and on, but it's not always profitable or expedient to go on beyond where you should. So if you would, please stand to your feet. Sweetheart, if you'd come. Pastor Tom, if you'd come. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, let's say it together. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. And His mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endureth forever. How many of you got something today? Hallelujah. Well, let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. Let's give him honor. Hallelujah. If you have prayed the prayer for salvation for the very first time on the screen is a place where you can text and you can let us know exactly what happened and exactly what occurred. Amen. Wasn't that a rich word today? Praise God. Well, as he was talking about being in the right place at the right time and knowing what you need to do in every single situation, I was reminded, and I don't want to belabor it, but I was reminded of a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And let me quote it to you real quick. Out of the message, it says this. It's the one, you know, it says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, but the things God has in store for us. And then it goes on, it says, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. In the message, it says, no one's ever heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like this. What God has arranged for those who love him. And as he was given that word, I kept hearing this divine appointments. Divine appointments are being arranged right now for many of you under the sound of my voice. Divine appointments. It says God has arranged those for those who love him. We've heard today how important it is to pursue God. Do you love God with all of your heart? Then you need to start saying that. I'm in the right place at the right time and God has arranged divine appointments for me. And then verse 10 says, but you've seen and you've heard it because by God's spirit, he will bring it all out in the open before you all out in the open before you. Hallelujah. It's going to be clear. It's going to be glorious. Those divine appointments are being arranged by your loving Heavenly Father right now. Do you receive that? Hallelujah. Let's give Him some glory. Thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah.